Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay Eric Taylor, and it is a Tuesday, and we are talking sports. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, tweet at us at Ray and Tay today. Send us your emails talking about week one and your Thursday night pick, which we'll get to after we talk some, you know, NFL real quick. The address, today at gmail.com. Check us out on iTunes, Instagram, Facebook, and definitely com. Some awesome sports interviews for any sports fan that would truly love. So, Ray, we'll recap week one, and we got to start with Sunday night. I mean, last night, a DJ saved my life. So, last night, honestly, Ray, it felt like the two greatest franchises winning-wise in NFL history, the Steelers, my Steelers, and the Niners, were back in the glory days because the whooping the Niners put on the Rams was just obscene. Aaron Donald was like, let me get to the ice tub. He didn't want to stay. And then my Steelers, I can just chew into that forever. I'll let you go first. Start with the Niners, Ray. How surprised were you by them? And how disappointed are you in Les Snead, Jeff Fisher, and the whole Ram offense and performance? So this game is hard for me to really handicap after the fact because I don't know if the Rams are that bad or Chip Kelly and the Niners are that good. So I'll say it's somewhere in the middle. But I will say this. To me, I'm more disappointed in the Rams than I are impressed than I am impressed with the Niners because I think Blaine Gabbard yeah. did a lot of running with his feet and made a lot of plays with his feet, which I'm not sure that he'll be able to do on a consistent basis. I think he's he's decent. He actually proved some things to me. You know, I've always been one to say that Colin Kaepernick. I still go back to that that uh, Green Bay Packers playoff game where he ran for 180 yards and was just unstoppable and took them to the Super Bowl. So I still have that Colin Kaepernick in my mind. Forget about the, the off-the-field stuff for now. Uh, so, so I still think that he's, he's at his best is better than Blaine Gabbard's best. But right. that's TBD. So I, I still think that the Niners are TBD, but this L.A. Rams, St. Louis Rams, uh, call them the, you know, the Orchard Park Rams, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> this team – is terrible. And they have no direction and they have no identity and they have no leadership. They have a guy, Jeff Fisher, who's won some things before in his, in his past, but you know what? This team needs, needs a new start. They really do. And Oh boy. If they're not good, if, if their number one pick is not very good. Because Case Keenum's terrible. And if Jared Goff is not the answer, then they are in some serious trouble. Um, Sean Mannion looked really good on hard knocks and in the preseason. I guess, but I'm just very worried. I'm very worried that these guys are going to be, I almost want to say like Walter Payton style where Todd Gurley is going to be running to the ground. They're going to have a very good defense if they can keep them together. And their offense is just atrocious. I I'm mean, officially concerned, Ray, for Todd Gurley. They don't have I a quarterback. I'm concerned. They don't have wide receivers. They don't have a tight end. They have what looks to be a premier running back, and that's it. The offensive line looks like it's you know maybe a slightly above average. But 
this is concerning. They have serious problems on offense. And this has become an offensive league. Now, we both know that, you know, defense wins championships. But first you've got to win games. You can't, you know, you can't be – you've got to get to the playoffs. And this team is going nowhere. And I'm very worried about this team. They are terrible. What makes it worse, though, Ray, let's be honest, Les Snead and Jeff Fisher, he's on Hard Knocks talking about he doesn't want no MF 7 and 19. Well, his whole career, except for the year with the Titans and, you know, Steve McNair and Eddie George really get losing the one in the Super Bowl to the Rams, right? He's basically been a 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 8 and 8 coach. And when you go to bat, with your starting wide receivers, Tavon Austin and Kenny Britt, both of them at best number threes, and you're going on a, a rookie tight end along with, uh, you know, um, Lance Kendricks and a quarterback who can't – Case Keenum cannot throw past 20 yards accurate down the field. So you're not threatening anybody. The Niners' defense was playing up. Navarro Bowman looked great. The Niners looked, you know, way better than anybody ever thought. And – it's, it's shameful. I see today, you know, uh, the Packers, they signed uh, their left tackle, the top five in, in left tackles, and the Rams are signing Michael Brockers. Well, that's great, but go sign a freaking wide receiver so that this offense and an OC, because the, even the play calling is horrible, Ray. Uh, we could talk in the Rams all day. Let's go to a real team. Tell me your thoughts. Be honest, right? Because, fine, I've been accused by our friend Hank of having my Steeler glasses on. But you got to be honest, even you got to say you were a little impressed with the Steelers' defense, better than advertised or thought. And, you know, yeah, Kirk Cousins and the Redskins, they were driving the ball. But, listen, Ben don't break, and they could not punch it in, and it made him look kind of regular. And then Josh Norman only was on Antonio Brown for a, a hot second, and, and the other guy got slaughtered. Tell me your thoughts about my Steelers and the Redskins week one, Monday Night Football. So the Redskins are shameful that you let Antonio Brown beat you because you can live with D'Angelo Williams beating you. You can live with Ben Roethlisberger beating you to other receivers, but you can't live with Ben Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown. It's been the formula for three years. The guy has fought over 125 passes the last two years. You need to have your $15 million man, Josh Norman, on him every play. I'm sorry. Plus safety help. Don't give, me this, don't give me this stuff about formations. Don't give me this stuff about he only plays one side. To his credit, Josh Norman did create a fumble, cause a fumble, which they called it back. It was an incomplete pass, but he stripped he the ball good. out. You don't, you, look good. Yeah. you don't go out and get a $15 million a year player and then leave your other corner out there to be toasted by Antonio Brown. So, I mean, I, I just don't understand. And it's week one. It, you, you had all offseason to prepare. This is the one game you should be prepared for, especially from a matchup knowing that they don't have Le'Veon Bell. Like I said, you can live with D'Angelo Williams and his, and his 125 and, you know, and two touchdowns. He had, he had 73 yards in the fourth quarter. That was just – 140, five. put a 143, baby. Woo. 143. So, you can uh. – Brown sugar, babe. You cannot <laughs> live with Antonio Brown beating your number two corner. And I, I just – it's embarrassing. But having yeah. said that, your Steelers – the question on the table is, are your Steelers legit – you know what? They are. I really believe so. Uh, you're going to get Le'Veon Bell back, so you're going to get turbo Woo! boost on offense. Uh, uh, you know, Ryan Shade Rogers really good. Too, yeah, you're, you're Rodgers, and, and, and when you get all your, you know, Martavius Bryant's back and all your guys, and, and you figure out your tight end situation, um, you guys will be fine. I, I really do. How about, how about the name? Come, tell, me, tell me you don't love the name. I'm the lyrical Jesse James. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse James has a lot of connotations You know what I mean So yeah man I, I can roll with Jesse James But look Pittsburgh's going to be in the mix I think this game didn't really tell us anything about Pittsburgh uh, We know Pittsburgh What they can do on offense uh, The 
Washington defense was disappointing. The Washington offense was a little predictable. And so I'm a little bit worried on Washington. Matt Jones is a straight-up runner, has no deception. Yeah, no running game, right? They have to get Thompson the ball. They have to get Thompson the ball more. I still don't know why they gave up on Alfred Morris, but that's a whole other story. Uh, But, yeah, so Washington looks to be a 7-9 team. Uh, and, and the Steelers look to be a 10 and 6, 11 and 5 team. So you just had a different level of team playing ball on on uh, Monday night. I'll say this real quick before we go to the Patriots. Steelers are legit. Look, I... yeah, go ahead. Ray, you there? You're going in and out. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, okay. I'll say this real quick on, on them. Um, Maybe they need to try Mac Brown. Chris Thompson is good, um, you know, PPR, catching it out of the backfield. But Matt Jones, you're right. I think it was the coach, Gruden, who I think might be a little bit emotional to be a head coach in the sense that I feel like he gets personal and personal feelings. Maybe that's why he got rid of Alfred Morris. There was no reason. That guy's a pro bowler and a thousand-yard rusher. And to me, to rely on a Matt Jones – yeah, and, and, and young, right? And then you go to give it to Matt Jones, who didn't even stay healthy the first year and is not proven like Morris. It's, it's just poor management. I don't know what's going on there. I'll say this, Kirk Cousins and the offense in terms of passing, I do think they'll play better and they'll be fine. Let's get to those Patriots, man. Sunday night was very impressive. You called Jimmy – I mean, you, you know, we both picked Arizona, but you called Belichick in terms of what you expect for him to do this year. And he just flexes his coaching muscle. <clears throat> I'll say this. Look, the guy makes the field goal at Arizona wins. Chandler, you know, can't miss that. But overall, besides Fitzgerald, there's not much on the Cardinals that I trust except for David Johnson and Fitzgerald. I feel like they go away from David Johnson too much. They need to screen pass him and run him more. But Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he is going to be – the Patriots quarterback of the future or somebody else's quarterback of the future. If Brady, you know, doesn't, you know, wants to still play in the wheelchair, but uh, very impressed. And I, I just think both these teams will bounce back and have great seasons off this game, just like the Broncos and Panthers, but uh, a huge steal of a win for the Patriots who without Brady, we were saying hopefully two and two, three and one. Now it could be three and one or four and L Ray. So that was impressive for me. It really was, and you got to give him all the credit in the world. Uh, Bill Belichick, uh, Garoppolo went out and did it. Um, the one thing with the Patriots is they always hang around. They're always in the game, and Belichick is never going to be beaten. He's never going to beat himself, so you have to beat him. Now, the Arizona Cardinals had the opportunity to do that, and the Cardinals will be fine. It'll be them in Seattle. Nothing from this game was shocking other than the fact that New England doesn't skip a beat. I mean, they're just awesome. They are the franchise of all franchises, you know, possibly in all sports. You know, them, the San Antonio Spurs, uh, these guys are just – they just every year, and they don't beat themselves. They don't make mistakes. They are – beating you on the field, but they're also beating you in the coach's box. So in football, that makes all the difference. No, you're right. Um, Cowboys, Giants, looking at the afternoon games, Ray. Um, I got to tell you, I think the Cowboys blew an opportunity to win because you, you have to run the ball more. Zeke, um Dak Prescott didn't play bad, but he didn't push it down the field. You got to get Dez involved early and often. And he threw so much to Witten and Beasley. That's fine. But you can't have the guy in a game that's not a blowout, a one-point game, throwing 45 times. I thought Prescott looked good. So glad my boy Victor Cruz got to Salsa and he's back. Giants look like they might be a little bit better than everybody in the NFC East, Ray. And I think the Cowboys have got to figure out how to utilize Dak, Dez, and Ezekiel these first couple of weeks without Romo. You've got to feed the young, buddy, young buck along with Morris and get them running the ball. He should be throwing 30 to 33 passes a game, nowhere near 45. Good win for the Giants. 
Yeah, good win for the Giants. Um, this game, because it's in Dallas, I give Giants a pass. Uh, Giants with Dak Prescott should have beat the Cowboys easier than they did. Cowboys, you know, had every chance and every opportunity to win this game. So, you know, if you're a Giant fan, you, you any win's a win, and certainly a road win in the NFC East is a big is a big deal. But the Cowboys need to look at themselves and say, look, we didn't do that badly. Our defense was okay. Our offense with the rookie quarterback was was doing all right. Maybe maybe like you said, a little run uh, run pass balance wasn't where you wanted to be. But I think you come out of here thinking to yourself, you know what? This giant team is beatable, and all we need to do is keep the NFC close, NFC East close, and hopefully at nine and seven we can sneak away with the division because. Washington's not impressing anybody. Philly's not impressing anybody. And the Giants, you know, you played them with a rookie quarterback. You played them basically to a draw. So if you're a Cowboy fan, you're, you're hoping that's your glasses half full scenario. No, you're right about that. Um, give me your, well, I'll say this, right? I think one thing that we definitely saw two things out of this game Seattle is. Still clutch, Baldwin, Russell Wilson looks like he'll be okay this week and going to play at L.A. against the Rams. But what I like is their defense is still legit. They got to, you know, figure out Christine Michael and all the running game and, you know, get Rawls up back and all that stuff going. But the Dolphins are going to be competitive and better this year. <clears throat> better this year. <clears throat> Not sure why Jay Ajaya was a healthy scratch. Arian Foster looked pretty decent. So you don't want to, you know, get all excited about a loss. But I think, it, to me, in Seattle, even though it wasn't weather, it's a hard place to play, right? That's a, that's a good, solid loss. And I think Adam Gase is going to get this team going and figure some things out. Don't know if I'm 100% behind Tannehill, but if anyone's going to get him going, I think it's going to be Adam Gase. So a good win for the Seahawks, and I think they'll even take care of the Rams possibly this week too. Um, what do you think about Seattle? Seattle's got to be disappointed, though. I mean, Russell Wilson hurt his ankle, but that was late in the game. They need to take care of this Miami team. This Miami team is not that impressive. Remember, Russell Wilson was the best quarterback by far in the second half last year. He had some ridiculous stats. It was like 19 touchdowns and two interceptions or something like that. So, if the momentum from last year was carrying forward, they should have blown this Miami team out. Their defense will always keep them in games, but if you're going to want to win a Super Bowl, obviously it's only week one, so you're not that upset, right? And, and they've started out years where they've been terrible, you know, like 0-3, 0-4. But they still, have some, they still have some kind of identity seeking to do, especially on offense, right? What are they? Are they a running team? Are they a passing team? Is this Russell Wilson, you know, coming out party like it was second half of last year? So I think I'm a little disappointed if I'm a Seattle fan. But you know what? Win and move on. Speaking of win and move on, pretty impressed with Detroit and this new offense. And the Colts, I think, are going to be closer to terrible than not. Andrew Luck, you know, we'll get into fantasy football in a minute. Number one in fantasy football for the week. And maybe Detroit's defense has got to still work on some things. But Stafford and Detroit and their balance and not having Megatron, he's got to throw it a little bit to everybody. I was pretty impressed with Detroit Lions. And I just the Colts offensive line and defense, still not, not there, Ray. I just hope that this is not the way Andrew Luck's career is going to go that he's going to be basically Matthew Stafford in a situation where he's got to throw for 4,000 yards just to be a 7-9, and 8-18. Eight eight I really hope that this guy gets a chance with a solid offensive line, skill position players. His running back situation is terrible. Frank Gore's over the hill. We need to get a new running back in there. Uh, but the defense, uh, they're giving up way too many points. So this team, you know, maybe if we took the Rams and the Colts and we put them together, 
then you'd have, you know, a 15 and one team. That'd be perfect. Right yeah, they would, they would de- <laughs> if you put the, those two teams together, they, they would definitely not only win the Super Bowl, but they might, they might take down the Dolphins 72, right? They might go 19 and 0, right? That, that's pretty perfect. But, <laughs> but I'm just, I feel for luck, man. And, and you know what? We saw it two years ago and even last year, you start to get bad habits. You start to press. You start to do too much. You start to become like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm superhero. I need to put everybody on my back. I need to score 40 to win games. Drew Brees had that a little bit before he won his Super Bowl in New Orleans, but I just don't want to see that. I want to see his natural progression because this is where Andrew Luck is starting to enter the prime of his career, and I just want to see him have success because I love I love watching. But him the organization around him has failed him, just like the same thing in Los Angeles. Let's be honest; we got to call a spade a spade. And honestly, the coach, you know, I've stuck up for Chuck. But he, he, he almost blew, you know, he, well, he did kind of blow the game, you know, with his uh, t- clock management there on the timeout and giving them so, so much time. Like, you can't, you know, you can't make those mistakes. It's really bad watching them sometimes. Really bad. Let's, let's keep on moving, man. We won't hit up every game. We'll talk about the injuries in a minute. But let's give some props to our guy, Jack Del Rio, man. I think you're seeing a Raider team that might be ready, Ray, to turn the corner. Their defense has got to figure it out, but not too many people handle Drew Brees in New Orleans well. The fact that he was bold, went for two, and Crabtree tried to mess it up, but luckily didn't. But how impressed were you with Carr, Murray, the other young running back that they had, and obviously Cooper, Crabtree? Just the feel of the Raiders, this feels like a legit NFL team for once. Would you agree with that? It does, and I think that with the uncertainty in their division with the Broncos and the Broncos on offense, obviously we don't know if Simeon is the answer. And the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs could have lost. They ended up winning, but, you know, they gave up a lot of points at home. So, you got to say to yourself, if you're the Raiders, this is our time. The tides are changing in the AFC West. And, you know, I had my boy Khalil Mack as, as my dark horse pick for defensive player of the year. And I do think that, look, let's not call them uh, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin, Jay Novacek just yet. But <laughs> young Raider, you know, uh, young Raider trio – of Amari Cooper, Latavius Murray, and Derek Carr is not bad. And if they stick together, that's going to be a, a nice little, you know, a nice little combo for the next few years. So I definitely like what I saw about the Raiders. Jack Del Rio going for two. That was gutsy because, you know, if he misses it, they're all over that, him. That but was good, incredible. Good for him. Good for him. That was, that was, Ray, our Jets, man. I mean, come on. Like, this is like Jets fans just need a group hug. They should have won this game. They could have won this game. It felt like they had it. It just, at the end of the day, when they don't have Eifert and they're still trying to figure out Brandon LaFell and their other, and Boyd and their receivers, to me, A.J. Green, you got to give Revis more help. Total of, what, 12 for like 180 or 186. That's just too much. A.J. Green, and I'm going to say this right now, A.J. Green is going to prove to everybody that he's back in that conversation of top five, top three receivers. Browns won. You can debate, you know, Julio and Hopkins. I would say Julio is, you know, too much, too many injuries for Julio. But you could talk about Julio and Hopkins and a healthy Dez and all that. But right now, man, I'm telling you, A.J. Green is back this season, and he is ready. Big win on the road. With some injuries, Hill and Giovanni Bernard look good. But Dalton, you know, we wanted to see how he would be without Hugh Jackson. But I think he took big strides last year and then got hurt. But I think Andy Dalton and this team might be ready not just for another playoff run, but to win. And I think we both picked them winning some playoff games or at least one playoff game this year. How impressed were you with the Bengals? And, um, and then next week they, they got to go, go to Pittsburgh. So that will be fun. <laughs> Adriel Jeremiah. I that's love like that. Name. That I, I'm going to make a statement that that's going to yeah. go down like Orenthal James. On the positive, so, on the positive, on the positive side, right? <laughs> on the field. Let's not let's yeah. not uh, get crazy off the field. 
But yeah. on the field, I, I really believe that this kid is going to go down and he's going to have more playoff success. So, so I'm going to go so far as to say he's going to go down as, a, you know, an elite, elite receiver, top five, top ten, you know, better than like a Megatron because Megatron – Did you see some of his much. catches, Ray? Those were ridiculous. Unbelievable. And Megatron didn't do much in the playoffs. So this team, to me, it comes down to let's say the defense plays the way they should and the offense, if they can obviously replace the two stud receivers that, that they lost in Jones and Sanu, I think they'll be fine. Eifert will be healthy around midseason. But to me, it comes down to running the running game. They need to figure out that Hill and Bernard situation and some kind of identity in the running game because I, I really look at them and week to week, it's different. Uh, you know, you know Dalton's going to give you what he's going to give you. You know A.J. Green's going to give you what he's going to give you. The defense is going to be fine. I think to really win in the playoffs, Jeremy Hill needs to run the ball, and, and Gio Bernard needs to give him that little, you know, scat back Eric Metcalf, but on a consistent basis because everybody else is consistent on that team except for those two. Those running backs do not consistently give you the performance that you need to be a Super Bowl team. I mean, even look in that division, Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams compared to Gio Bernard and Hill, I mean, it's night and day. These guys, and and when it comes to December and January, you need that running game. So I I really feel like this is the time where they have to – I mean, A.J. Green is unbelievable. And Andy Dalton, you know, is going to put up 4,500 yards. But I really think it comes down to that running game. Before we – you're right. Before we uh, get to fantasy, we're not going to go through every game, but we just got to mention great performances. Uh, Your boy, Jameis. I think he's ready to be the head of that class of him, Mariota, um, you know, Carr. I think oh, yeah. what you're seeing from him, Ray, is that he's, you know, going to be, you know, the leader of the next tier of the, of the you know, great quarterbacks. As we lose Brady and, and, you know, them, you know, obviously the, you know, you've got Big Ben still around for a little bit longer, you know, Breeze, Brady, and, you know, Manning left. And then, of course, we're going to have Luck and um, Cam and Wilson. But then it's Wilson, like, yeah. yeah, I think Jameis is going to – him and Derek Carr and then Marcus eventually. That, that's the next group coming into there where you'll have, like, the top seven or eight quarterbacks. That performance from Jameis was beautiful. Um, I want your thoughts on that as well as the impressive win against probably a minor league team. But Carson Wentz. We were questioning why he was thrown to the wolves. But remember what I told you. I thought he should have been the number one pick. I didn't love golf as much as I love Wentz. I just love the prototype size, athletic ability. He played in the cold, everything. Really, the Browns should have picked this guy. And somebody made a great critique. The Browns don't know what they're doing because playing outdoors in the NFC North, AFC North, you shouldn't take Manziel. You shouldn't draft Cody Kessler. You shouldn't have these small quarterbacks. You draft exactly what was there for you. A Carson Wentz, a big, big Ben type guy, and you, you passed him up. And then, so what are you saying? You hope next year Deshaun Watson's going to be, you know, he's not, he's got an arm, but he's not a big guy. But so we'll just see how that plays out. Give me your thoughts on uh, Jameis and then Carson Wentz and how you impressed with the Eagles. Yeah, real quick. It looks like we have a caller here. I'll, I'll punch the caller in in a sec. But Jameis Winston's the real deal. And you know what? I would love to play in South Florida to have <laughs> or actually Northern Florida, whatever. Uh, but to have Mike Evans, Vincent Jackson, Safarian Jenkins, uh, your boy Doug Martin, and Sims as Sim, my yeah. as my Sims guy. The backfield, yeah. As my yeah yeah as my skill position players, I love it. I do think that that this is going to be Jameis Winston's coming out party. I think he's going to do great, big things in Tampa. He's going to throw up yeoman's numbers, and he'll be in the 4,000-yard club on a consistent basis. Uh, they're going to be in a division that's tough, though, uh, obviously, with, uh, you know, with Carolina down there. And, and we'll, we'll see what, you know, what, what it means in terms of playoffs. That defense catches up. Tampa's going to be tough this year if the defense catches up. I think they're a year or two away. You're right, but Cleveland's another team. Put them in the mix with the Rams. Uh, you know, they got plenty, plenty of question marks. Uh, 
they're just a mess. Josh Brown will come back in a few weeks, but you know what? If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything in this league. And even a guy like Isaiah Crowell, they, you know, they had Wes Lesher. They've got individual pieces, but they're missing talent, and they're missing a just an overall – like identity, and and Gary Barnage looked like he was, uh, you know, on the coming up. On the he'll up be fine up, with McCown though. He'll be better with McCown. Be, RG3 yeah, doesn't love he him. will be. Yeah. He will be. But you know what? This team, and you thought that it was going to start on defense, and then they slipped a little bit. But yeah, it's so frustrating if you're a Cleveland fan, and, and we feel uh, for you guys out there. Hold on, let, let's punch in the caller. The caller has yeah. to say maybe they have some questions. Hello? Hey, fellas, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, Good. Good. what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Bryce calling from Brooklyn. Uh, Hi, Bryce. Bryce. What you got for us? Killer B. What's going on? Um, <laughs> um, I like the... I like the conversation, making some very good points. In terms of the young gunslingers, I tell you what, I believe in Derek Carr. I yeah. believe in... I believe in Jameis. I think Jameis is... Is a is a is a franchise guy, and I'm gonna put someone else in that category. I believe in Blake Bortles too. I yeah, like really? Blake okay. Bortles. I, I think Blake Bortles. Right. Yeah. I think Blake Bortles can make all the throws. I think he's got moxie. He ain't scared. He plays. He plays hard. I think that those teams have rallied around their young franchise quarterbacks, and I think those guys, those guys have a chance to be a really really solid solid group because you're talking about franchises that haven't been very good and the veterans and everyone are all in on those quarterbacks. That tells me something about them. It's not so much the physical tools. When you look at Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston has the moxie to go in and battle Cam Newton every year for that division. He will not be scared. He will not back down. He will believe that his team can win football games. They started rallying around him last year as a rookie. This tells me that this guy's got what it takes to be successful if he continues to work, and I think the other two franchises have done the same thing. Derek Carr has energized the Oakland Raiders. Can't believe I'm saying that. But, I, <laughs> hey, man, when you're talented, I give you credit. Same with Blake Bortles. That, that, that offense plays hard for him. They've built a team around him. You watch. The Jaguars are my sleeper pick this year. They will win the AFC South. I like wow. it. Okay. I like it. All right. Okay. Well, I, I will say this too. Give credit to their GMs, right? In in the Peyton Manning, you know, philosophy. Each of those quarterbacks that you named have very talented skill position players around them and have above average offensive lines. So these guys are out there, like your boy Blake Bortles playing with Alan Hearns and Alan. Yes. Hearns That's a great combo. Yeah, yeah, he's got some deep, you know, uh, wide receivers. I'm uh, sorry, uh, running backs, and they also brought in Julius Thomas. Mercedes Lewis, obviously backing him up. If, you know, he turned his ankle, so he may not be ready to go next week. But give these young quarterbacks skill position players, because if you don't, you're going to stunt their growth. So even right. if you have the moxie, you still got to win win some games. You still have to have confidence. Yeah. So those three quarterbacks that you named, absolutely. And the good thing, they also have young, skilled position players to grow with them. Yes, absolutely, 100%. I mean, you got to give credit. They're, 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 they're moving in the right direction. And, and, you gotta, and, and I think that says something. When you've got young guys, like you said, you have to be able to put guys around them that can help them make plays and grow with them. And those teams are slowly doing that. They're not quite there yet, but I think they're – they're on the rise. So, Bryce, let yeah. me ask you this. Um, looking at those guys, what about the Teddy Bridgewater when he's healthy, the Tyrod Taylor in the Mariota throwing a Brock Osweiler? Do you think they've got the talent around them and we just need to see them step up? Or do you think those four quarterbacks still need to step up to catch up to, like, Jameis and Blake and Derek? Ooh, those, that's a good question. I think now this kind of comes a little bit to the talent piece. Mariota's got a long way to go to me, guys. He, he yeah. needs to still develop a lot just as a quarterback. Um, he's got a long way to go. I, I'm not ready to say he, he's going to get there. He has to show me he can, and, and we'll see about him. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I like Bridgewater. Too bad he got hurt. I, was, I wanted to see what he was going to do this year. 
Um, yeah. I think he can. I think the talent is there. Um, who was – oh, Brock Osweiler, I don't believe yeah. in at all. Second <laughs> half of football games last year, he got figured out and he fell apart. I just don't <laughs> like the way he handled himself in Denver um, afterwards in the offseason. I know he got the big contract. He's not a franchise guy to me. Um, and who was the last guy? Tyrod Taylor. What do you think about Tyrod? Tyrod Taylor's another guy. Needs more development. Ton of talent. Needs more development. He's around. I like Chan Gailey as an offensive mind, but he's around a coach that doesn't know any offense. He's around a head coach that doesn't care about offense. That stunts your growth. You need a guy that can be a head coach and that's going to really build the team around your success. And Tyrod Taylor, I think, is allowed to be too raw. He's, he's, like, he's, a, he's better than Mar- Mariota right now, but they both need a lot more development. Do you believe in this year's rookies? whether it's Prescott, Lynch, Goff, or Wentz, who of the four do you think could make it to be a legit, you know, Look franchise Look at you giving Paxton Lynch some love, and he has – Yeah, I got to mention Paxton. He's, he'll My be guy, Simeon, I don't know if – I don't know about – you know, we haven't seen enough of Paxton and Goff. Time will tell. Um, Carson right. Wentz did some really nice things. I mean, like you said, big, strong-armed guy that can make all yeah. the throws and can move pretty well. That works in his favor. Dak Prescott looks like he's got the it factor. Um, yeah. I like Dak. But he's another one. See, see, here's the thing, though, guys. Doug Peterson a quarter, is, is, is a guy that knows how to work with quarterbacks. Um, he used to be one. That could be a nice situation. But Jason Garrett can't, is not a good coach. He's very average. Dak Prescott... 45 attempts as a rookie in his first start with this offensive line. That's just uncalled for. So Uh he might not be set up, even with his talent, to succeed because he's got clowns at coaching in the coaching ranks that that don't know how to build the team around him. Totally agree. That's absolutely right. And and Ray's a Cowboys fan. You end up getting into bad habits, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because now he's throwing the ball too much. They're not establishing anything in terms of identity on offense, um, which they should be doing like they did with DeMarco that one year. That's what you need with a young guy, and, and 45 attempts is too much in a close game. Yeah, so, so, Bryce, so hold on, Let's, let me ask you this. Who's your team, and, and yeah, what, what are you, you know, what's your, what's your preliminary Super Bowl pick? Oh, well, I mean, you know. My team, Die Hard, born and raised, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, there you go. <laughs> got another one. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, and, 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 and let's not even – when we go to quarterbacks, I don't even need to talk about number seven anymore. We all know what he is. Ooh, Same thing with number 84. Wait. What we really need to talk about now with the Steelers, because people have always, over the years, had a lot, of, lot to say, is now the Steelers have, and I'm being modest, a top ten offensive line. The offensive line has arrived. They're back to the, I want to say, 2004, 2005, 2001 era where they can line up, and when all else fails, 25 wham, can you stop it? And I don't think a lot of teams can because they got a lot of talent up there that is coming together. That offensive line was on display last night. Ironically, in Washington, where they've had a lot of Super Bowl-winning offensive lines with the Hogs. The real yeah, Hogs the were from Pittsburgh, and they, and they ran the Redskins off the field. They grinded them to dust. I yeah, love we it. talked about that so earlier. True. We were so disappointed, too, that Josh Norman wasn't able to line up on Antonio Brown. And, you know, you had all offseason to prepare for this. He's your $50 million guy. And don't tell me about formations. If there's one guy with Le'Veon Bell on the sideline, there's one guy that you've got to scheme against or to shut down is Antonio Brown. And they just didn't do it. So that, that's got to be painful for Redskins fans. You hit it right on the head, man. It's like you sign this guy, build your defense around him. But there's not a lot of scheming that can do that if you start bringing nine in the box and the offensive line can go old school and still block it up. I mean, you're just getting beat because – up front, they're better, and Pittsburgh was better up front than they were in their front seven. Well, that's why I said, that's why I said you know what, you can live with D'Angelo, even though he ate you up, 143 yards. You can live with that. I can live with that because that means that you, your big guys push around my big guys. But I, I can't live with Josh Norman watching Antonio Brown on the other side. <laughs> I, I just can't live with that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, one you can take, okay, we're just not as good. But when you sign a guy who's supposed to be as good and you don't give him an opportunity, that, yeah, that, that works your nerves. So, Bryce, yeah. I'm a big Steelers fan too, man, and I've been My trying man. to let people know 
Um, you know, I don't always pick them to win, but this year I've got my Steelers, or our Steelers in the Super Bowl. I just think they might come a little bit short to the Seahawks. So what's your Super Bowl pick? Ray went with the Packers over the Patriots. Who do you have? Wow, your Super Bowl picks are exactly like mine. I got the Seahawks, and I got the Steelers, and I got the Steelers winning the Super Bowl. There you go. So you got a, there you go. You got a, you got a rematch, rematch of, what was that, 05. Oh, 05. Oh, right? That was the oh, five, you know? yeah. Yep. That was oh, the yeah, I got the quarter one. Don't, don't, don't. Yes, I got the rematch, and, and, and look, along with the offensive line, we'd be remiss not to talk about the top three quarterback Pittsburgh has, and that's Ben Roethlisberger, surgical last night. Just just looks looks like he's just so comfortable, like, like knows where the ball's going before they yeah. know where it's going, knows exactly what he wants to do, makes every throw. Heck, his, his most impressive play was he fumbles a snap. Gathers himself and fires a beautiful bomb to Sammy Coates down on the left sideline. That's just freak freak nature stuff that if you don't have the talent, you can't pull that off. And let me tell you something. Wait till we get Marcus Wheaton going back healthy and Sammy Coates holds on to every ball along with Eli Rogers and Jesse James gets acclimated in the offense and then Le'Veon comes back. Even without Bryant, nobody in the league can stop us and we will be able to go to the New England like we were last year supposed to because we would have beat the Broncos, and we will take care of Belichick and the Patriots, and I can't wait, Bryce. Listen, great call. Uh, check us back on Friday. We'll be on 730 Eastern, and hopefully, uh, you know, you keep calling in, man. We appreciate the love. We're going to get on to some fantasy talk now. Thanks for calling Thanks, in, Thanks, I appreciate it. Take care. Hey, right. Great call, Bryce. Hey, definitely. Oh, Ray, I love it. I love it. Great caller. He, he knows the game. And that's what happens when you get Steeler fans to call in. Let's talk about <laughs> fantasy. We mentioned, we mentioned Andrew Luck, Ray. But let's just go through. I mean, and obviously, look, when you put up 48 points in fantasy, you are the stud of the week. Um, that was ridiculous. A.J. Green had 41. He was second. Let me just give you the top ten real quick and give me some of your fantasy thoughts, and maybe we'll talk about the, uh, the, the guys that people should pick up. So it was Andrew Luck, A.J. Green, Drew Brees was third, number four in fantasy, Brown Sugar, D'Angelo Williams with those two touchdowns and a buck 43, five, Brandon Cooks, six, Spencer Ware coming in for uh, Jamal Charles and might be starting next week. Then seven, you have Antonio Brown. Wow, Steelers do it up. Willie Sneed, another Saint at, uh, what, seven. Matthew Stafford, eight. He was ridiculous. Alex Smith, ninth. Might be the best fantasy game you get from him, and he was a free agent in most leagues. Famous Jameis down there at 10. And, you know, you got Ryan and Big Ben, 11, 12. So give me, give me a guy that you think people should pick up or give me, uh, give, me, give me something in fantasy. Obviously, oh, we got to mention the injuries. RG3, he's gone for at least six, probably eight weeks, maybe the season. So Josh McCown will be starting. Our boy Keenan Allen Ray from San Diego, fourth time in a row, four seasons in a row. He's out, torn ACL, out for the season. So Tyrell Williams will be probably the one. I don't know if you pick him up or try to get Travis Benjamin. Give me somebody in fantasy that you're looking to get off the waiver wire. Oh, boy. So, depending on if you got a 12-team league, like, the, the guys are not that exciting out there. A lot of them are taken. You might look at here's, – here's some names to throw out there. Pittsburgh's always used a tight end in their offense. Your boy Jesse James. We talked about him a little bit. Uh, right. Tyrell Williams, probably top of the list because losing Keenan Allen, a guy that could catch easily 100 balls, uh, that boy's going to have to be filled by somebody. So that's, that's somebody to look at. You know, look, okay, Jeremy Curley. Uh, yeah. He may not blow you away, but if you need a flex option, if you need a, a third or fourth wide receiver, that might be somebody. I'm going to give you a guy that, oh, God, he hurts my heart to even say it. Brandon LaFell. <laughs> so, the thing yeah. is, A.J. Green's going to have to be double teamed. Tyler Eifert's not back. 
And so those Andy Dalton balls, if you believe that Andy Dalton's going to throw for 4,500 yards, 4,000 to 4,500 yards, you know, A.J. Green can only catch so much, and Tyler Eifert can only catch so much, and Gio Bernard out of the backfield can only catch so much. So he's big, he's tall, he's been in the league for years. You know he's disappointed me over the years. So I'm happy to, to, to recommend this guy, but it's set up perfectly for Brandon LaFell. Well, let me give you a couple. I think this guy is going to be legit, and he's going to take over for Kobe Fleener, and that's in Indianapolis. Jack Doyle was the man that Andrew Luck kept feeding and feeding and feeding, and he got into the end zone. So he was definitely in the top of fantasy points. And I really can't stand this guy because he's been disappointing ever since he left Pittsburgh. But now he's got a bomb quarterback in Joe Flacco who throws it deep. Mike Wallace might actually be relevant again in fantasy. <clears throat> so that's a, a fascinating pick. Carson Wentz, he, look, he's on the Eagles, but, you know, he's not playing against great de- defenses in the NFC East. And this week he's playing against the Bears on Monday Night Football, so you might look at Carson Wentz. And then also Sean Drones, who also scored a touchdown running for the Niners, who look like in Chip Kelly's system, Ray, Carlos Hyde and Sean Drones will get some touches at running back. So just a couple. And Hyde you know, is injury prone. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So let's keep it moving real quick before we get to the U.S. Open, and you'll break that down. Not that much in college football. Oklahoma State got jerked. I think the Big 12 or the officials or whatever, and even a committee, if Oklahoma State ever had a great season, the committee would just have to excuse this loss. But at some point, college football has just got to stop this. If there's no other plays, then make it right. Don't leave the stadium and, and, and get, get, you know, give the team that deserves the win the win, Ray. You know, that's just uh, – it's unacceptable Especially to me. Especially because this didn't happen with two minutes left in the quarter. <laughs> This was the last game. I mean, so there was no play after. So this is the simplest case of you never want to – somebody said it right on ESPN. They said you never want the fans to leave the stadium and have a different outcome when they get home. But in this case, this is one of those rare exceptions where it's pretty obvious that this game was affected by that one call. And it would have gone completely the other way if it hadn't have been, you know, if the rule had been implemented properly. So, did you yeah. see the replay guys got suspended for two games because of that? He deserves it. And how about Austin Allen? Three touchdown passes, one rushing, and they beat TCU in TCU, take down number 15. That was insane, Ray. I, good for the SEC, man. They flex their muscles, you know? Yeah, I mean, TCU, look, you want to build that program, you want to get that national pub, you need to win these games. You need to win these games. You want to be, you know, elite in the Big 12, and you deserve it. You've, you've had a quite a, well, you know, Yeah, and it hurts the Big run. 12. Their two best teams in the Big 12 each have a loss, and yeah. guess what? Oklahoma plays Ohio State this weekend. We'll talk about that Friday. This week in college football, Ray, we got some heavy hitter games, so that'll be fun. Why don't you tell us, man, who, who brought home the titles since, uh, you know, Serena and the Joker got upset and didn't, get, didn't finish it, the last major in tennis, the U.S. Open, who brought it home for us? So, Angelique Kerber, the number two seed, who actually beat Serena. I wanted to see her play Serena because Serena beat her in Wimbledon and she beat her at the U.S. Uh, at the Australian Open. Uh, so it would have been nice if they met in three straight Grand Slam finals. But she wins, so she wins two of the four Grand Slams. She beat a Czech, Pilskova. And on the men's side, Novak Djokovic is probably more hurt than we thought. And he was, yeah. you know, fake it till you make it, right? He was, He was – out of shape and, 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 and nursing a knee injury and an elbow injury. But you know what? Stanford Rinka played better, and he just took it to him. Four set final, and the Swiss is – I mean, he beat him before. He beat him in the 2015 French yeah, Open. Stan so the man to you. <laughs> Stan the man has three – has been in three – he's a big game player. He's been in three – uh, major championships, and he's won all three. Three Grand Slams, and he's three for three in Grand Slam finals. 
So, you know, we might be looking at the next Michael Jordan right there. Uh, <laughs> joking a little well, bit. But, no, it's, it's, not, it's great to deliver three for three. You know, that, that's very impressive. No, that, and that's a perfect segue because before we end with baseball, we have to touch on the weekend in the Hall of Fame. You know, you're happy for uh, Coach Izzo and Cheryl Swoops and Zelmo Beatty and all these great people who made the Hall of Fame, but, and, you know, including Yao Ming. But Shaquille O'Neal and Allen Iverson stole the show, great speeches, and just to hear from those two men, you know, one is so revered and loved in Shaq, and then the other was somewhat controversial, but so loved by a city of Philadelphia, and just imagine, you know, he was basically the best football player in high school and wound up being a Hall of Fame basketball player, and his mother had to force him to go to practice. I, I love seeing, you know, their children and Shaquille's kids are looking like the two of them out of the three sons you know, might be uh, going to college and playing ball. His daughter, he said his daughter might be the best WNBA player ever. That's some big stuff. But you can't really doubt it. Look at the bloodline, you know. So we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> but I thought it was great, Wow, that's right? crazy. I, I thought that was kind of great. Um, so I don't know. Did you, did you see any of the speeches or anything you thought about yeah, it? Yeah, I caught or? it after the fact. And, you know, it, it was interesting that – Shaq and Allen Iverson go in together. They obviously played each other in that finals in 2000. Yeah. And you know what? Or 2001, I guess. Uh, You know what was, you know, what was awesome is that they're completely different players, but they impacted the game, you know, and they impacted the game completely differently, but it just shows you that, you know, if you have skills you can make your mark, right? Shaq was the physically imposing, unbelievable, maybe the best, you know, athletic center that we've ever seen uh, in terms of size and athleticism. And Allen Iverson, you know, like we said, he was a football player in a basketball player's body. And this dude used to scrape himself off the ground. And we keep talking about practice. What people don't understand about Allen Iverson is, you know, he really didn't believe in practice, but, you almost couldn't, as Allen Iverson, give even 50% in practice because this guy was scraping himself up off the ground. And this guy because he gave 150% every night yeah, on the court. He didn't right. have anything left for practice. So in some ways, we almost don't understand. You know, everybody's like, oh, it's so obvious that you need to go to practice and you need to be involved and get your teammates better. Now, yeah, he was a little arrogant because at the end he said, how am I going to make my teammates better in practice? And you do. But the point was he gave so much during the game. He didn't have anything left to give for practice. If this guy had practiced half as hard as he played on the games, his career would have been three or four years shorter. Definitely, definitely. And when you saw the documentary, though, that whole thing, you know, his friend had passed and he was answering about trade rumors and he was pissed at Larry Brown and they, you know, just lost and stuff. And he's like, we're talking about practice. So it also got kind of miscued because he was just upset that he had to answer rumors about being traded and his best friend was just murdered. So there's a whole backstory with that, too. Uh, Real quick, Mitch McGarry. Uh, first of all, Jordan Farmer signs with the Kings. Remember, they signed Ty Lawson as well, and their draft pick, Isaiah Cousins. So we'll see what they do with their guards now, trying to get some guard help since they lost Rondo. Mitch McGarry, though. What's wrong with your boy? Ten games for Adderall, and he already had five for smoking weed. So he'll be suspended 15 games. Um, it's weird. It seems like he can't get his career going, and we've seen that he's got flashes of talent you just hope this guy can figure it out and get it going with OKC, even though they have a lot of big men. So maybe he might need to be moved to another team. I don't know. So that that's kind of weird. I don't know what's going on with him and all that stuff. And, you know. A waste it, of it, talent. Uh, I really want to see this guy succeed. I think, personally, he's a lefty, so you know I get excited about any kind of lefties <laughs> out there. But, uh, no, I really do think he's decent. I think he can play. He was coming out of Michigan. He probably didn't even get to play that much in Michigan because he got hurt. So between getting hurt and the suspensions, it's like one step forward, two steps back in his career. But I, I do want to see this kid get his head right, and I think he'll have a decent NBA career if that happens. 
Otherwise, only yeah. Europe, my man. Yeah, he definitely has the has the talent. Um, you know, USA, the whole hockey uh, stuff cup is, is going on. So we're playing Finland, and I think September 20th, a week from today, they'll be playing against Canada. So that'll be big. Everything starts on the 17th, so that'll be fun for hockey fans, a prelude to the season. Let's talk baseball. Yankees are playing against the Dodgers now. We're only two games out of the wild card behind Baltimore. Before we get to the NL, give me your thoughts. The AL looks like it's, you know, pretty much Cleveland in the central. You know, Boston looks like they want to pull away. I don't know if they can from Toronto. And then in the West, the Rangers are, you know, solid. What do you think is going to play out with these wild cards, Ray, in the AL? So, you know what? The ALE started to bunch up for a little bit, but I think the Yankees are ultimately going to fade away. So it comes down to the loser of the East, which is going to be, you know, Toronto or Baltimore, whoever comes in second. So that, that'll be one. And then Toronto that or other team, Toronto or well, if Boston wins it. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, so the other team is going to be Detroit. So, you know, do you believe in Detroit's offense and Justin Verlander in the second half playing great? Or do you believe in – Toronto or Baltimore. And I got to tell you, I have a sneaky suspicion. And none of these teams are playing well, right? Toronto, I think, no. is three and seven in their last ten. And Detroit's their five pitching five. has disappeared. Toronto's pitching's been at hard. It's a mess. Yeah. So I have a feeling that Toronto will be one of the teams, and then it comes down to Baltimore or Detroit. And you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Detroit takes it. I think Baltimore is going to continue to fade. Uh, they were, you know, winning the divi- leading the division two, three weeks ago. So I'm going to go with Boston winning the division, Toronto, and Detroit as the wild cards. And let's say this right now, the National League, you know, the division winners are basically going to be set with the, the Nats and, and the Cubs, whose magic number is three, and the Dodgers. I love can you believe September 13th or 14th, whatever today is, and the magic number 13th, the magic number is three. That's unheard of. Cubs are playing that great. But the Giants are holding on with 77 wins, Ray. Giants and Mets, you know, I, I wonder, are we people trying to write the Giants off too quick, and it will the, the Cardinals be the odd man out this, year, this time around? Could the Mets and uh, Giants make it happen? Yeah, so right now the Giants are up by a game and a half over the Mets and the Cardinals. I think the Giants, even though they've been stumbling and they've probably had the worst month of all the playoff teams, they stay in. And then it comes out to Mets-Cardinals. And I got to tell you, New York fans are not going to like what I'm about to say. <laughs> but I just – Well, not everybody's healthy for the Mets. Not everybody's well, healthy. Well, that too, and, and their offense is inconsistent, and it's just so hard to bet against St. Louis. I mean, this team, year in, year out, is always there. And, in fact, St. Louis – You feel like it's sacrilegious, huh? It's sacrilegious. It is. St. Louis and the uh, the Giants have won five of the last, what, nine World Series. So, these two teams are just unbelievable franchises, and I just think they both take those wild cards. So, Ray, we're coming down to the last minute. Thursday night football, we got to make our pick. The Jets. Jets are facing off, 0-1 Jets facing off against the 0-1 Bills. Sammy Watkins, oh, they're doing their color rush, and all the proceeds will go to help, uh, you know, the NFL players for injuries and research and all that stuff. Um, Everybody will wear them this year except for the Colts on Thanksgiving and the Cardinals because theirs is black and red, and they play the Niners. So Jets, Sammy Watkins playing Hurts. I think, honestly, for me, I'm going to go with the Jets against the Bills. Even though the Bills and Rex Ryan handled them last year, I don't like the penalties with the Bills. I don't like the mindset. I don't think that they're in rhythm. And I just think the Jets, they, they look solid. And they'll get Brandon Marshall more involved. And I'll take the Jets to beat the Bills in Buffalo 23-17. My fantasy stud, B. Marshall, he wakes up. Uh, six catches. A touchdown, 96 yards. 
I like the Jets as well. This is Buffalo in September, not Buffalo in December. So uh-huh. I'm going to go with Matt Forte as the fantasy stud just piling up stats. To me, Tyrod Taylor's nice, Sammy Watkins great, but this team goes as far as Sean McCoy takes them. They haven't gotten him back to his form of uh, a year ago or a year and a half ago. And until they do, they're going to be a below-average offensive team. So I like the Jets in a close one. Matt Forte is my guy. So I'm going to go 22-17 Jets. He's just one point off of me. Just say it. <laughs> we we, we uh, have the same mindset on this game. Yeah, no, definitely. It should be fun, and the Jets will wear all white, so it won't be, uh, you know, all messed up for the folks who are colorblind. It messed everybody up last year with the, you know, their colors they were doing. So it should be fun. Enjoy the sports week. Friday will be busy. Tons of college football. Tons of NFL. Um, oodles and oodles of O's you know. So just enjoy it. And um, hey, thanks for listening. Have a great sports week. Bye. Bye.